Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to the Dynamic Dojo Show with Restita and Robert, your source for martial arts talk radio. Three, two, one, we're live. Good evening, all. Welcome to Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio with Rosita and Robert. It's—I almost said it was December. Why I almost said it? I don't know. My stupid calendar. Uh, but if I went by my calendar, I would have said January 30th. It is November 30th, 2014, and I'm here with my co-host and brother in martial arts, Sifu Robert Deal. Well, other than me not knowing how to read a calendar, how are you, Bob? Good, good. Except uh, can't can't uh, uh, rub your nose in the weather too much. It's it's uh, still still warm considering where you are, but it's uh, six, you know, lower sixties, upper fifties, and it uh, is raining like hell down here. Oh, so at least you got some of our rain. <laughs> I don't feel yes. I don't feel yes. so bad about that. <laughs> oh, so my weekend was very eventful. You know, I told you my mm. son bought a car on Friday. Right. His starter goes out. His starter goes out today, about fifteen okay. miles from here. What? Okay, so he bought the car on Friday, and the starter goes out today, two days later. Two days later, I, I, I it was a good thing yesterday. I signed him up on my AAA card. Oh, shoo! <laughs> who, who uses who uses their first toe the day after they join? You know, it's it it's amazing how that works. And I almost did AAA as kind of like a backup to my insurance because, you know, with this old truck of mine, um, I've only got liability on it, right? So right. it doesn't have like the bells and whistles like I did with my Honda. So I thought about doing AAA as kind of like a, a backup, right? But then I was like, but I don't want to jinx it because everyone I know that gets AAA needs it the day after. <laughs> Right. Well, after I said that, my wife pointed right at me when I said, who uses it? And she points right at me. Now, this weekend was so screwed. I probably spent more on my truck this weekend than any year that I've used it combined. Even when I got tired, I had my my brakes, my plugs, smog, registration, wiper blades, oil change. Oh, what happened? it's just, you know, I was preparing uh, San Diego. I heard the weather report that's supposed to rain. So I need new wipers. I need an oil change. My registration's due, so I had to get it smog and go register it. And it just oh. piled up. It sucked. And then my, yeah. that was, wow. it was weird because I had my plugs changed. A friend of mine changed my plugs, didn't charge me anything, charged me $30 to change my brakes out for me. And, when I was at the mechanic getting the smog and stuff, they told me your plug needs to be changed because I've been having problems with it starting. They wanted $230 to change my plugs out. Just what? my plugs. Oh, okay. For, for plugs? plugs? Cost me 60, just for plugs. You know, I've got eight of them, but the, the plugs cost me 60 bucks. That means they probably pay about 35 to 40 for the plugs. <sighs> Up, and it took the guy about an hour and 15 minutes to change them all out because they were giving him a hard time a little bit. 
That uh-huh. means that these people make about 150 bucks an hour. That's yeah. ridiculous. It's, wow. That's what's that's, that's getting shot. You know what's, you know, what kind of uh, makes me kind of angry about getting shafted at the shops is that, you know, a, a lot of the, well, all of the cars nowadays, all of the new cars nowadays are like a whole heck of a lot different than when you or I were in high school working on our own cars. You know, it was so easy back right. then to pop, to do your own, to do your own tune up and stuff like that. But now, you know, the way things are with the computers and the different way they have things wired up and junk like that, you have to almost pay out the nose. So, wow. Oh, yeah, so if anyone yeah, knows yeah. of any good, cheap mechanics that are really, really good, though, that do quality work um, in uh, Seafood Bob's neck of the woods in Burbank, <laughs> let them know because <laughs> my brother shouldn't be paying that much for plugs. Oh, my God. No, it was a good thing I had a friend that could do it. Or else I would have been out. I would have completely been out of luck. I mean, I spent like eight hundred bucks altogether on everything that went on. You know, my oh my, my uh, registration alone was like two sixty eight. Oh and my god! Today, so I went over to AAA and paid that. And the reason I signed my son up on AAA was because he's got to register in his car, right? Right. So I didn't want him to wait three hours at DMV. So I get him the card, and he called me from San Fernando this morning, which is like fifteen miles from here because he had to take his girlfriend's brother to work. I'm like, what are you doing? He said, well, he had to go to work. I said, you, that thing isn't registered, nor do you have insurance. Right. You should have told him to go pound sand. Yeah. I said, he's right? not your responsibility. So That's I had to go right. pick him up. They had to go have a tow today. I, then I had to take him to work. Then at 1230, I've got to take him home. And right. I'm like, dude, I get up at 530 in the morning to go to yeah. work. You got you to gotta chill out. <laughs> And I know, so, right? Well, God. So this, this, this other thing is really actually kind of funny. Uh, we were doing our last-minute Thanksgiving shopping. We picked up our dinner at Albertsons, and we were traveling down this aisle, and there was this tall white guy with, dread, mm-hmm. with long dreads, right? Mm-hmm. And he was on the juice aisle, and, and he was looking and staring wait, 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 wait. at these. He was on the what aisle? I heard he was on the douche aisle. What? No, no, he was <laughs> on the juice aisle. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and uh, so it was, and he was there for quite a long time looking for juice. And he was okay. staring. They had Gatorade, Welch, and all this other stuff. And he was staring at these juices. So uh-huh. my wife and I are on the next aisle, and I just start busting up. And she's like, what's wrong? I said, did you see that guy? It's been so long and he was actually staring at the juices. And she said, yeah. I said, maybe he saw one that said concentrate. <laughs> wait, 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 wait for it. Wait for it. <laughs> and I just started laughing, right? And you, knew, and you know, I don't think of this stuff and make this stuff up. This really happened. And then I'm laughing my ass off. And I turn around, the guy's right behind me. Oh, no. And I said, oh, honey, you could have told me he was there. And she said, well, I didn't notice because you were laughing so hard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Oh, my goodness. Only uh, only when I'm with you did the fun stuff happen like that. Well, I know. Actually, you know what? <laughs> I think, actually, all the fun stuff happens when Jenny's around. It never really happens when we're just hanging out, really. <laughs> Right. Not that I think about it. Anyhow, 
All right, listeners, our phone number here is 347-677-0699. Don't go away because at around 6.30 or so, we're going to have Grandmaster Leo Fong joining us today, uh, one of the one of the most respected martial artists today. So if you want to call in and join the conversation and talk live with Grandmaster Fong, give us a call, 347-677-0699. Oh, and by the way, Listeners, if there's anyone out there listening, um, if you could, you don't have to listen to the whole show, folks, because I know how busy y'all are. But if somebody could just, like, listen in for a few minutes, like, Deb, Deb, are you actually out there? Um, And let me know if there's um, an echo in our audio, because I'm hearing a terrible echo. It's like I'm talking over myself, and it's uh, making it hard for me to concentrate on my own words. So um, go to the... Uh, go to the show, click on the link on, on Facebook, if that's where you're seeing it. Click on the link, go to uh, go to Blog Talk Radio Show Marquee, where, where we're playing. Um, there's a chat board underneath it, and just tell me whether or not we're echoing or not. So, anyhow, otherwise, I'm going to have Sifu Bob take his headset out, and it's just, what it's a pain in the butt to, to do anything without that headset in. I know. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get moving on with the show so we can have Sifu Fong joining us later. I'm pretty excited about this. So uh, let's move on to birthdays. Who do we have for birthdays, Sifu Bob? Well, let's see. Well, first we have Larry Curry, Sr. His birthday is tomorrow. We have Andrew Lincoln, or Link-Ick, L-I-N-I-Z-K. His birthday is yep. tomorrow. We have uh, Masters, Salem Ashley, he's a uh, Sabat oh, Master. Right in the Los mm-hmm. Angeles area, his birthday is on the second. Master Taekwondo Master Gary Stevens, his birthday is on the third. And you have a few to share with us. I do. Oh, I've got a couple of uh, friends out there who's also got birthdays on December third. We have Chen Tai Chi practitioner uh, Blue Saitanko. His birthday is on the third Wednesday, and. Uh, Danzanru Jiu-Jitsu practitioner Sensei Delina Fuchs, um, also on Wednesday. I um, want to send out a shout-out to my sister. Yes, my blood sister, not just sister, like good friend sister. My blood sister, Diana Chin. Her birthday's on December 5th. And also on December 5th, Wushu Sifu Nick Graysonen. And those are all the birthdays that I have. And for everybody else, out there that's having a birthday during the week of November 30th through December 6th. This tune is for you. All right. Happy birthday, everybody. Ooh, winter birthdays. Now, what does that what does that make people as far as a horoscope sign? Is that Sagittarius? I don't yeah, know. Not, I think my wife is Sagittarius. Her birthday is the end of next month. Oh, okay. Because like my sister's a Sag, so I just didn't it, know whether or she- not. Yeah, I I just didn't know whether or not um, earlier this week actually counted as Sagittarius. But anyway, happy birthday, everybody. 
All right, we have a few announcements before we get into our health and fitness news and weird news and entertainment news. Um, I just want to uh, send a little note here from Alan Woodman. Alan, uh, Shehan Alan Woodman says, here is a free gift to all of you. It's a free downloadable version of his book, History of Japanese Martial Arts. Check it out, and it's um, only available through Sidekick Publications, so you want to go to sidekickpublication.com. That's publication, no S on the end, sidekickpublication.com. And on the right side of the window there, you'll see a, a little link to download um, the book. Um, and all you got to do is click on the book. You don't, there's nothing to sign up for, nothing to buy, so you don't, you're not obligated to anything. Um, however, I don't know if it's my Kindle um, that's playing games with me, but I only got a portion of the book. <laughs> only a portion. There's, it's not the full book, so I don't know if it's Kindle playing with me or whatever. I don't know. But uh, go ahead and check it out and uh, hit us up on Dynamic Dojo Facebook page to let us know whether or not you got the full book, okay? All right. Um, another note here from Rod Stoner. Um, he wants to wish everyone a happy Thanksgiving week and a, a happy start to winter. Um, as a special gift to everyone, some of his ebooks are totally free. You want to check them out at https uh, backslash payhip.com. That's uh, P-A-Y-H-I-P.com, payhip.com, backslash Rod P. Stoner. So uh, go check out uh, check out uh, some of his books. And uh, you can also join Rod on his Facebook page at facebook.com, backslash Brendan and Carson's Ninja Adventures. <laughs> and that's Brendan, B-R-E-N-D-O-N, and... Carson's, C-A-R-S-O-N-S, Ninja Adventures, just how it's spelled. <laughs> awesome. Very cool. Um, let's see here. Um, <clears throat> me and Sifu Bob are really, really excited and really, really happy to announce a new addition to the media category for the Masters Hall of Fame. Do you want to go into it, Sifu Bob, or shall I? Uh, sure. Well, what they're doing is they're, they're, they open a YouTube channel, and they're also available on uh, uh, actually live TV on in, in on the San Diego, California TV station. It says Daniel Eck, chairman of the Masters Hall of Fame, officially announces the debut of the Masters Hall of Fame World News YouTube station. The Masters Hall of Fame World News will have an impact on the international martial community by featuring Masters alumni and others influencing the martial arts community. That sounds pretty cool. And as the uh, uh, alum, uh, vice president or associate vice president of alumni relations, we will be sending out a press release to all of the Masters Hall of Fame alumni mm -hmm. that they can get in on it. Uh, it's an interview process. They, they sit you down, they interview you for 20, 30 minutes, and then they put it up on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And it's available for a nominal fee of $100, where you that get is, featured on the website yeah. and YouTube and all that. That's that's a very, very reasonable price for basically um, a great way to advertise your art, advertise your school, 
um, and just let the letting the martial arts community know about what you teach and what you have to offer. I mean, one hundred bucks. I mean, I I spend that just on flyers. <laughs> Right, you know, right. and you and you know people will, will round fi- file flyers. You can't round file a YouTube video, um, you know. So it's 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 very cool. I suggest that all the alumni and the ambassadors get in on that. And as the in- executive to the ambassadors for the Masters Hall of Fame, I'm gonna make sure that all y'all um, get in on that because you guys are alumni, so you're gonna have to talk to Bob anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. And I am posting the link on the Dynamic Dojo Facebook page as we speak. Yep. So and, it'll be um, up there. Just follow the link and it'll come out with a press release. Yeah, they they um they released their first episode um either today or yesterday, I don't remember. And it's on the Masters Hall of Fame Facebook page. The first interview is Michelle Manu who is also on the executive board. Um, no, actually, the first the first interview is Dan Heck. Michelle Manu is oh, a was host. It? Oh, yes. I see, I see, I see, I see. Got it. Got it. I did. I got that backwards. So Michelle is the host, is the host of Martial Arts uh, Masters Hall of Fame World News. And uh, Hanshi Dan got interviewed. So there you go. So go and check it out. And Hanshi Dan, if you, if you don't know this, already accepted a job offer in Ohio and is moving Friday. Oh, he's going to be used to the cold. He's going to get used to the cold weather like the rest of us. (laughs) He's not going to really have a choice. He's not, especially in Ohio. (laughs) We wish the very best to Hanshi Dan in his uh, new new position um, there in Ohio. So that'll be that'll be very cool. Yay! I'm excited yeah, you, about the you, you know, you know the. Uh, the he, I I understand he's going to change the catchphrase to the Madison Hall of Fame though. Did you hear What's about that? that? No. Holy crap! It's cold out here. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Masters Hall Hall of Fame recognizing excellence in martial arts and holy crap! It's cold out here. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's awesome. That that is awesome. All right, um, I think we've got a couple other announcements here. I want to announce an upcoming seminar. It's it's called the Gathering, and it's putting it's being put on by the Whipping Willow Association, and it's their winter gathering, and um, it's going to be the weekend of December fifth through the seventh, and. Uh, let me give you a rundown on some of the people that are going to be uh, joining in on the fun and teaching seminars. Um, hey, Bob, can you do me a favor? Can you, like, just see what it sounds like when you t- if you uh, turn off your headset? Because I'm still hearing an awful echo. Okay, let me mute it. Okay. All right. <clears throat> so... We've got C. Joe Bill Owens that's going to be that's going to be teaching. Also, Grandmaster Douglas Wong, Professor Diane Tanaka Whitson, Mahaguru Cliff Stewart, Grandmaster Carl Totten, Mataas Naguro Zach Whitson, Grandmaster Carrie Ogawa Wong, Professor Daryl Jones, and special guest teacher Professor Paul Yamaguchi, who is the last surviving original black belt from Grandmaster James Mitosi. So um, I'm 
I'm guessing that there are a few other instructors, but these are the ones that are listed um, on the gathering website. And uh, again, the event is going on between December 5th and 7th. That's uh, next weekend, folks. And um, three days and two nights for one great price. It's only $190 for the entire event. The entire event. Now, what's included in this, folks? Let me tell, let me let me go over this because this will make you want to join the Whipping Willow Association. All right, it includes one year free Whipping Willow Whipping Willow Association membership, um, and uh, a member discount of fifteen dollars is refunded at the door. So if you pay, oh, hold on, I'm sorry. This is for <laughs> early bird. Sorry. <laughs> Early bird by uh, November 7th, it's 190 Um Oh, no, I take that back. Still 190 If you pay by December 5th, $190 for the entire event, um, and you get a member discount of $10 refunded at the door and 10 raffle tickets. However, remember this for next time because they have four gatherings throughout the year. Remember this for next time. If you actually register early for any of these gatherings, you get one year free of the WWA membership. You get $15 refunded at the door to your, to the gathering. You get 30 raffle tickets and a $10 voucher for the whipping willow association booth. So now what does the whole three nights and or three days and two nights include? Well, you got Friday training. It's a, a two-and-a-half-hour class. You've got Saturday training, which is from 8 to 6 p.m. And, and then you've got the Saturday banquet between 7 p.m. and 9.30 p.m. And then more Sunday training from 8 a.m. to 2.30. All of that with all of these great masters for only 190 bucks, And he hasn't upped the price for late registration. So get paid by... By December 5th, it's 190 bucks. Get a member discount, $10 refunded at the door. That means it's only 180 coming out of your pocket. Go check it out. Lots of great masters. Now, where where is this going to be at? It's going to be at the La Quinta Inn and Suites. And um, the address there is um, 3 Centerpoint Drive in La Palma, California, 90623. So go check it out. That's where we, they're going to have uh, the event. And uh, for Whipping Willow Association members, the registration discounts only apply to full event signups. So if you're only coming for one day, um, you don't get a discount. And the event rate for the members is only $89 a night. So, yay, go check it out. All right. So that's it for my announcement about the Whipping Willow Association. Now, remember, folks, they do have four gatherings a year, spring, fall, winter, and um, summer. Um, so just go on the Whipping Willow Association um, website, uh, com, and they'll give you the full rundown. All right. Now, off to Bob here, who's going to tell us a little bit about another great upcoming tournament that he's going to be at. I am. Uh, this is going to be Battle for Blood, and proceeds will be going to the Hemophiliac Foundation of Southern California. It's going to be on the December 13th and 14th at the Town and Country Inn at uh, 500 Motel Circle North, I believe. Uh, I believe it's north at the end. Uh, you're going to have a full tournament from 9 to 4 on Saturday. Uh, seminars on Sunday, which will include Eric Lee and Doug Wong and Shooty B. 
Uh, I think Kerry O'Gawang may be there. I don't think she's teaching, though. And then there is an awards banquet for the authors that have supported Sidekick Publications over the years. And that is in two weeks. Very cool. Wow. I'm looking awesome. forward to the so banquet. Like- you know, this, this is sort of like a, uh, old home weeks, uh, old home week, though. You know, I'll see a lot of people. Yeah. I don't see that often. Uh, the the awards banquet, we've, they've already sold 30 tickets. They're expecting 60. Uh, the, the tournament starts at $25 uh, for the first event and then goes up from there. And it's, it's a great venue. Uh, awesome. I'm really looking forward to it. It sounds very cool, and uh, and uh, were we still thinking about broadcasting from there, dep- depending on how busy it is? Yeah, I or think so. Or if it's so. still going to be going on. <laughs> I mean, we might have to do it. We might have to do it like earlier on Sunday or something. I don't know. I mean, if that's the case, you know, just let me well, know yeah, because. Just, well, we've discussed doing it, doing our show eleven is one at that time, uh, and I was probably just going to do it in the hallway of the of where the seminars is going to take place. And then mm-hmm. just grabbing grabbing the instructors and the participants as they as they come out. I'll be using Alan Woodman's computer as a headset, as a mic. Uh, it's going to be a good time. Good, awesome. Um, and uh, this is just a note between me and Bob. Um, let's uh, let's see. Well, I don't know. We can't test it with his mic to make sure that it actually you know feeds. So never mind. I was going to say, let's test it, but you're not going to have his mic until that Sunday. It'll work out. It'll work out. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, it'll be cool. All righty. Well, let's move on to the health fitness news bit. All right. So in case anyone's wondering, if you've ever wanted to know what the world's healthiest cities are, here they are. <laughs> now let's start with Monaco, the smallest country in the world. <laughs> it's the most densely populated country in the world as well as the smallest and has the highest life expect- expectancy of an average of 89.6 years. It also has Wow, the highest- they must be single. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It also has the world's highest concentration of millionaires and billionaires per capita. Now, (laughs) the great wealth concentrated here means that citizens can't afford top health care. It's ranked 13th in the world by the World Health Organization. Now, Prince Albert II of, of Monaco had launched a number of green initiatives, including carbon offsets for conferences held at Monaco Monaco hotels and local government agencies using a fleet of electric smart cars. So they don't have to deal with the smog or the pollution or anything like that. And I guess if they're going to be that rich, <laughs> maybe they're just not getting out um, all that much <laughs> because because they've got like such big palatial houses to to stay in anyway all right so um that's just one of them and uh let's go to let's go to another one let me scroll down here uh oh that's the wrong page um here's another one perth australia perth australia um it was ranked in the top 10 
for the Economist Intelligence Unit's most livable cities in 2013. Now, Perth is also one of Australia's healthiest cities for for women. Yeah, I, I don't know why it's only for women, but anyway, the EIU ranking is based on five criteria: stability, healthcare, education, infrastructure, and culture and environment. And according to the magazine Australian Women's Health, Perth is near the top of the list for healthy eating, mental well-being, life satisfaction, and medical health. Now, between 1998 and 2009, um, the number of cyclists in Perth increased by 450%. How? Wow. Wow. <laughs> and and TransPerth, the city's national, uh, the city's transit system has installed bike shelters, bike shelters at many stations so commuters who cycle to the train can lock up their wheels how cool is that now the warm That's climate cool. and the warm climate and the nearby indian ocean means that residents have access to many outdoor and sporting activities and uh, the government health agencies uh, launched the public open space tool to enable Perth residents to locate parks and facilities near them. So with all this outdoor um, outdoor activity and um, not using very many cars, yeah, I, I'm imagining that they're pretty healthy. Okay, let's just do one more, or a couple more. Singapore. Singapore, Singapore is also considered one of the uh, healthiest cities with the world's lowest infant mortality rate. And one of the highest life expectancies of an average of 84.7 years. That's pretty cool. Now, it's ranked. Uh, Singapore is ranked amongst uh, the most efficient healthcare systems in the world. Up to 80% of the residents use the public health system, which has a few pricing tiers. Overall, Singapore is one of the world's cleanest cities because strict laws forbid everything from spitting to littering. And the government has successfully used incentives, pricing, and congestion charging to reduce the amount of car traffic from its high point in the 70s. And I have a friend that is from Singapore, and he says that although it's very, very strict over there as far as the laws of uh, littering um, and... um, uh, spitting, you can't literally you can't spit gum on the ground. You'll get a ticket, um, you know, and uh, homelessness and stuff like that. Although it's very strict, um, it still makes for a very happy environment. You don't have people like walking around with frowns on their faces because of the strict strictness of the of the laws there. It's because they have a healthy environment. So. Anyway, that's, uh, oh, I almost forgot, Tokyo. Let's not forget Tokyo, which has one of the most efficient transit systems in the world, ranked by The Guardian um, as the second healthiest city in the world. Life expectancy in the Japanese capital is one of the highest at 84.19 years. And this is due to a number of factors, including investment in public health, strong family and community ties, the Japanese tradition of hygiene, and the comet diet of rice, fresh fish, and fresh vegetables. Universal, universal health insurance was also implemented in 1961, which cut down on the rate of childhood and infectious diseases. So there you go. Those are some of the world's healthiest 
cities in case anyone actually wants to go out and retire in one of those cities. <laughs> <laughs> and notice none of them were, were American cities because we actually, per capita, have more, more chins than your sister does in her family. Oh, my God. <laughs> Wait for it. I'm going to do it again. Here we go. <laughs> oh. You know, I really do need a, my own drum set here so I can just do it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Instead of looking for the more, sound bite. That's, yeah. It's, yeah. That's, that is true. We've got more chins in the United States than <laughs> the rest of my family has. Oh, my gosh. All right. So that's it for, for my health news. Let's move on to Bob. Weird news. All right, and stay tuned, folks, because in about five, ten minutes at the most, we're going to be joined by Grandmaster Leo Fong. All right, Bob, back to you. Very cool. So I will go through these quickly. In weird news, San Jose, California, an assistant manager of a Northern California Burger King found a backpack with about $100,000 in a booth, but so far no one has come forward to claim it. Assistant manager... The assistant manager told KGO he spotted the blue backpack left in his San Jose eatery early Wednesday. He said when it was still there by that afternoon, he called the owner who opened it, hoping to find identification or a phone number. Instead, he found a whopping amount of $100 bills. Officers came to the restaurant and opened the bag, which also contained some candy, a small amount of marijuana, and a bank deposit slip. Police wow. are now working with the bank to find the bag's owner. Wow. That's a little weird because if I'd lost that kind of money, I'd be looking for it and figure that I left it at Burger King. I'd, <laughs> I would be freaking. I would be freaking. <laughs> yeah, but who carries that kind of cash in a backpack? Come on. Well, yeah, it kind of makes you wonder how they got that cash. <laughs> exactly. Oh, That's why nobody's come forward yet. Right, right. Oh, my gosh. Of course, he's, of course, if it was any kind of illegal activity and it belonged to somebody other than the backpack holder, he's probably mm-hmm. sleeping with the fishes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, right time for entertainment right. news. Now, Russ, you've heard of Vera Wang, right? Yeah, yeah, the, the clothing the clothing designer. Clothing designer right? specializing in wedding dresses. She made Kim Kardashian's wedding dress. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Very a expensive wedding dress dresses, that, too. Oh, yeah, like hundred grand for, for a yeah. wedding dress. Would you right. believe she is a squatter, and not just because she's a woman? What? <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> Oh, hell, I'm on a roll tonight. One more time, one more time. (laughs) Vera Wang. (laughs) Oh, man, I can't even get through this one. Vera Wang squats worse than Maya Randolph in Bridesmaids. (laughs) If anybody saw that movie, they'll understand why that was in the article. Oh, Which God. is why her landlord with the greatest with the with the greatest name ever is suing her for more than a quarter of a million dollars. Vera wow. White opened a boutique for expensive bridal gowns in West Hollywood, but the landlord, Off Men Inc., 
claims she's she's stayed way past the time her lease ran out and just stopped paying rent. Amen claims she racked up more than $250,000 in unpaid rent and then booked it for an expensive new store in Beverly Hills. Amen is going after Vera Wang Bridal Bridal Melrose suing for unpaid rent and some extras. And, of course, the ending of the article says, Amen. (laughs) Who writes this stuff? (laughs) I don't know. And that is for entertainment news. Right on. (laughs) Well, very cool. All right, let's do this. Let's take a short break, about two and a half minutes, and when we come back, We'll have Grandmaster Leo Fong joining us. So don't go away. We'll be right back after this. Hey, MMA fighter Jason Mayhem Miller here. School bullying and cyberbullying statistics are increasingly viewed as an important contributor to youth violence, including homicide and suicide. Let's kick bullying together. Go to we'rekickingit.com. This is Annie Lennox of Eurythmics for RAD. Please don't drink and drive. And don't drive if someone else has been drinking. Thank you. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. This is Guru Rocky Twitchell of Citrus Heights, California, and you are listening to the Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio Show. Vikings. We come from different places. Uptown. Downtown. We come to different conclusions. Half empty. Half full. But when we live united, we make a real difference in the building blocks of life. Children succeed in school. Families gain financial stability. The health of our neighbors improves, and suddenly so do our communities. Real change won't happen without you. Live United. So give, advocate, volunteer. Live United. Sign up today at liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. You're listening to the Dynamic Dojo Show with Restita and Robert, your source for martial arts talk radio. All righty, and we are back. If you're just now tuning in, this is Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio with Restita and Robert. Our phone number here is 347-677-0699, and we have... Sifu Leo Fong joining us tonight. So I'm going to bring the mic over to Sifu Bob. And uh, Sifu Bob, if you can introduce our very special guest, that would be great. I, when, when he agreed to do the show, I was really excited because this man is a true legend in the martial mm-hmm. arts. Great Thank guy, you. nice man. Uh, please help me welcome to the show Grandmaster Sifu Leo Fong. Welcome, Sifu. Uh, Thank you for joining us. Uh, you're welcome. Awesome. Now, um, for our listeners out there, I just want to remind them one more time about our phone number, 347-677-0699. Please give us a call to talk to one of the most respected martial artists in the world today, 347-677-0699. You can also check out our chat board on the bottom of the Blog Talk Radio show marquee. So, uh, Sifu, what uh, Bob and I usually like to start off with, uh, to have our listeners uh, hear a little bit about, 
is um, each of our guests' backgrounds in the martial arts. So uh, would, would it be possible for you to tell our listeners a little bit about your background in the martial arts, how you got started? Yes. Uh, you know, I, uh, I immigrated from China when I was five years old. That was uh-huh. 1934. And um, I couldn't speak English. And so uh, my father held me out for two years till I was seven years old. And then I knew uh, enough English uh, to get by. And, and I remember the first day of school, uh, you know, in the South, in Arkansas uh, in the 30s, you either mm-hmm. have black or white. Mm-hmm. And they were asked whether well, they knew where their place was and white knew their, where they were supposed to be. So um, uh, we, I couldn't uh, we ask about where to go to school. Well, they, they said, no, you go to this, uh, this school down here, this white school. And I was the only uh, uh, guy that looks different than everybody else uh, in the whole school. So mm-hmm. the first day of school, uh, they start teasing me, you know, calling me the Chinaman and all that stuff. <laughs> and, oh, no. And, oh, and they were singing, uh, got around me singing uh, like a ring around roses. So I uh, went back home, and my wife, my, my, my uh, dad asked me how was school. I said, oh, it's okay. Everybody likes me. You know, they're all singing to me and, 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 and greeting me. And they said, what did he say? So I told him, and he turned red in the face, and he said, you know, uh, they are... Uh, uh, not uh, friendly. They're they're, they're trashing your, your 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 heritage and all that stuff, you know. So mm-hmm. I knew that was next. I went back to school next day, and and uh, the the yard teacher uh, wanted to get a little softball game going, and so uh, uh, pointed to me and told me to go play first base. And I didn't know what first base was, and they, she said, "You stand over here." And then when they mm-hmm. throw a ball to you, I run over there, you tag him. Well, some little kid hit a little, made a little hit, and come running to the first base, looks up at me and said, "Chinaman," I, I didn't hesitate. I popped him right in the face, and down he went. And next thing I knew, <laughs> had me uh, had me in the air, spanking me. Said, "How dare you hitting another per, another person?" You know, and and spanking me and, and lecturing to me. Mm-hmm. And so that was the first day, I guess, of uh, my uh, martial arts journey. And from then on, I I kind of had chip on my shoulder and had my guards up. And anybody gave me a bad look, I said, "What are you looking at?" And they'll say, "We're looking at you, Chinaman." And 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 the guy who wore the C word was uh, was uh, fighting words. <laughs> mm-hmm. I get in fights all the time. And um, and finally, uh, uh, about 12 years old, I think, I was flipping through a Montgomery Ward catalog. And I saw uh, a couple of books. One was a jiu-jitsu book, and another one was a boxing book by Fundamental Boxing by Ro- Barney Ross, who was world middleweight champion. So I bought the mm-hmm. book, some reward, and I um, looked through it and started uh, to understand some things, and I started practicing uh, the basic punches like jabs, hooks, and uppercuts, and crosses and stuff. And... and um, uh, I got pretty good at it, and then when I got in the fights, you know, they come uh, charging in with uh, with haymakers. I'd stick them in the face and move, stick them in and move, and then bang! I throw a right hand down, they go. Then I take <laughs> off running. We got reputation got around. Everybody said you don't want to mess that uh, that Chinaman, you know. Said he's pretty tough, and um, and then I start picking up a couple of friends, and we hung out together all the time, and they watched my back, and and we got in a few fights there, and. Um, then at uh, 16 years old, uh, I felt a, a religious experience. I felt a call to ministry, 
And basically what happened was I I was um, uh, down with a fever, and, and my dad didn't believe in uh, in going to doctors. He would give me that Chinese herbs and stuff, and it didn't work. Mm-hmm. I don't I had an infection or had a walking pneumonia. I don't know what it was. But I felt miserable for a couple of weeks. And, and, and of course, I also went to church. And the reason I went to church was when I got home, my parents wouldn't let me go anywhere. They wouldn't even let me go outside and play. They made me stay in the grocery store and work. We had a little mom mm-hmm. and pop grocery store. And so, um, so the only place that let me go was uh, Sunday morning church. I said, oh, that's a good time to get out of here. <laughs> so so I'd go to church, and sometimes I'd grab a pack of cigarettes off the shelf of the store and stick it in my pocket and take off. And, and I would slide under the church, uh, church would elevate a little bit, a little wooden uh, frame building. So we'd mm-hmm. slide under that. Buddy and I would be smoking cigarettes while the preacher's preaching up up in, in inside. <laughs> one day, I said, "Hey, let's go in and see what's going on in there." So we went in, and walked in, and some lady said, uh, uh, "Are you boys uh, going to go to Sunday school?" And, and and I said, "Yes." And he said, "Well, what grade are you in?" And we told told her, and um, she said, "Okay, here you go in this class." And they were talking about David and Goliath and how he killed this giant and all that. I got got interested. And so I, every mm-hmm. Sunday I'd go to school, and I wasn't too interested in, um, in, in, in in being religious. It's just to get away from store. But it, mm-hmm. it caught on. Now, I, I tell people, I said, I learned religion by osmosis. <laughs> and at <and> 16 <laughs> years old, I got sick. So one day I was desperate. I said, you know, I, I hear them pray in church, and they said that that's supposed to bring healing and whatever, you know. And, and so I, I started praying. I said, Lord, you know... Uh, if you take this fever away from me and make me feel better, I'll do anything. I, I'll even be a minister. And I'm just doing that, talking loosely, you know. Mm-hmm. And then, sure enough, by 2 o'clock in the morning, I was in a sound sleep, and my bed was so wet, I broke fever. And wow. Going for two over two weeks. And I jumped out of bed, and I felt, never felt so good in my life. And I started punching that bag and doing chin-ups and push-ups and stuff like that. And uh, and and it was a Saturday night. And Monday morning, I ran to my minister and told him, said, look, uh, my brother, Dodson, he was about 27-year-old seminary. So mm-hmm. uh, I went like you. And he said, oh, really? Okay, here's what the process is. In the United Methodist Church, I had to go through uh, four years of college, three years of seminary. And then uh, if they accept you, uh, you know, you you guarantee an appointment, and so uh, so I said, okay, I'm willing to to go that route. So so I went to a district committee, and they a bunch of ministers sitting there, you know, and they interviewed me, and then finally they passed me and gave me a what they call a local preacher's license. Then such a first step. Mm-hmm. As a church, a local preacher's license. After you get through college, you go to seminary, you get ordained a deacon, and then when you graduate from seminary, you get ordained. Uh, uh, elder. That's the highest you can uh, you can be, and you can be elected bishop, whatever. If you're in the politics of things, you know. <laughs> and so, anyway, uh, mm-hmm. I went through that process. And uh, uh, when I got to college uh, at 18 years old, I uh, found out they had a boxing team, and I said I'm going to join this boxing team. Before that, you see, I was self-taught, and they had used to have mm-hmm. these little smokers. It was an empty. Mm-hmm. Um, 
there was an empty uh, school uh, building there, and a bunch of guys would get together, and there's one guy acts like he's a promoter, and he'd match up everybody's interested. So one time uh, I, I got the word in high school that, hey, they're going to have a smoker in, a, you know, in our, our little town. And I went there and told them I want to fight. So they matched me up with some was a high school bas- a high school uh, uh, quarterback on the football team. And he was 165 pounds, and I remember I was only 112. But it was uh, lopsided. They said, "Well, you fight him." Well, as soon as the bell rang, I uh, we did it on the stage, and there was a wall there, and then they they put some ropes uh, on the edge so you don't fall off the stage. And, and <laughs> Charging at him, swinging all angles, and Bingo hit me with a right hand, knocked me into the wall. My head bounced off the wall, and that was the end of the fight. And and I had a headache going home, <laughs> and I, I sneaked in to tell my mom who I was. And uh, then I was laying there in the bed. I couldn't sleep, and I was thinking, I said, that's got to be a, another reason uh, to win this thing. I said, I, I, Then I got thinking, Sunday dawn on me, said I was too aggressive. I need to stand back a little bit and keep distance. And then so I, I picked that book up and read some more stuff. And, and then, so when when word got around in high school, they going to have another match. I said, hey, match me up with somebody closer to my weight. I said, I know no match me up with no, because they wanted me to fight. And I did. So I, I beat the guy next time, you see. And, mm-hmm. and, and then, so 18 years old, I I, um, uh, I went to college, and they had a boxing team. And... Um, and I asked uh, the coach if I could join the boxing team. His name was K. O'Donohue. Uh, he was a uh, World War II All-Army champion. And so I learned, got my first uh, formal boxing lesson from him. And mm-hmm. uh, I discovered that I, I was pretty good. You know, I, uh, uh, so they said, you're going to have your first match. And I was 112 pounds, 5 feet 10, looked like a bean pole. And, <laughs> <laughs> I lived in the Ozarks up there in the hills, mm-hmm. and um, I remember I, uh, this kid was uh, built pretty good, but shorter than me. And he won a, you know, he won a unanimous decision. He was hitting me with some pretty good shots, and my face all busted up. And and so I went in afterwards. I was kind of disappointed that I lost, and mm-hmm. I went in uh, to the bathroom to wash myself. And some old hillbilly guy come in and says, "Hey, Chinaman, you got your ass kicked." And, and I looked at him, I said, tell you what, I said, if you don't get the hell out of here and shut your damn mouth, I'm going to shut it for you. And, and, and uh, so, okay. <laughs> and I got home and I got analyzed. And one thing I learned about myself is that I, I get disappointed, but I analyze why I lost. Mm-hmm. And, and so, uh, so I started training and I talked to my coach and, and he was very good. And then, of course, I, uh, after that, uh, episode i scored by six straight knockouts after that and 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 uh, and then along the way i get i got lost to some close decisions and then uh, and then one time i went 16 or 18 straight knockouts and with a left hook and uh, uh, and anyway uh i fought and uh and retired a little bit after uh, uh four years uh, of college i graduated and retired and then uh, when i went to seminaries in dallas I decided to enter a tournament. You know, you kind of get that stuff in. You get that urge in your, and you, you can't quit. You know, went in and mm-hmm. and I, I did in the tournament. I, uh, but unfortunately, uh, um, the first night I knocked this guy out in 15 seconds of the first round. In the second fight, the guy forfeited. I was in the ring, and they said he didn't want to fight. 
So I won by forfeit, and then I was in the finals, and I fought some guy from Fort Worth, Texas, and I lost a close decision to him. But my my coach was also uh, uh, I got another another coach. He was a friend of mine, studying me a uh, minister, and um, so he told everybody in the seminary. He said, "Hey, you guys see Leo? He he, he scored a knockout that night, and everybody showed up that night." And of course, I got I lost. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, anyway, after that, I got a job at uh, West Dallas and teaching uh, uh, athletics, uh, coaching athletics, and because uh, I participated in, in football, uh, tennis, and, uh, and a lot of stuff uh, in college, and I was teaching at the community center, and then I started a boxing team. I picked kids off the street, off the street that was always fighting, and we had a pretty good boxing team first year. So that was my journey. I was into boxing, and I was t- uh, asked. A friend of mine was an Arkansas State wrestling champion, and he asked me if I uh, why don't I join the wrestling team. I said, I tell you what, if <clears throat> I spar with you, if you can pin me, mm. I said I'll join the team. So he didn't. I, uh, we sparred, and, and every time he tried to grab me, I stick and I move, and uh, and. And finally mm-hmm. he said, well, I guess you, you better stay a boxer then. <laughs> you know, I said, yeah. I said, you're good at what you're doing. I'm, you know, and and then so in 1954, I um, <clears throat> I graduated from uh, Southern Methodist University, SMU, and I was uh, <clears throat> transferred out to um, Sacramento, California. Mm-hmm. And in Sacramento, I... Um, uh, had a church member named Roger Fong, but not related to me. And one day he said, "Hey, Reverend, so I I heard you boxed. So why don't you come join me? Uh, and uh, I want the boxing team. Join me, and you can come out and work out. I talked to the coach. So I went out there and I started sparring with all those guys, and mm-hmm. uh, I didn't wait all the way to the middleweight. And they had a good team, and um, um, so I kept in shape that way. And then I was driving down. Um, I think Alhambra Street or K Street uh, in Sacramento, uh, California, and I saw a sign that said Jiu-Jitsu. So I said, ah, mm-hmm. martial arts outside of boxing, so I'm going to go up there. So I went up there, and there was a guy named Bill Luke. Uh, uh, he was a student of Bruce Tegner. And I mm-hmm. don't know, it was a long time. Bruce Tegner was in Ventura. He wrote a lot of books. He really a judo mm-hmm. guy, but he I books by karate, by pressure porn, uh, one touch knockouts and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I uh, but Bill was pretty good, uh, you know, um, jujitsu guy. So after about um, uh, three or four weeks uh, uh, learning, I, I picked the stuff up pretty good. And he said, "Well, let's. Why don't you and I get on the mat and and do some grappling?" I said, "Okay," and and that was kind of uh, fun. And and pretty soon uh, I en- I enjoy working with him because I was always pinning him or putting arm bars on him and stuff like that. And, and uh, so. <laughs> Uh, not student uh, uh, instructor, but rather just buddies working out, and and he didn't charge me. So we I did that for about a year, and then um, he told me he had to move to Southern California because uh, he was also a dance instructor. He taught at Bellas and Yolanda, I think at that mm-hmm. time they had Murray and Bellas and Yolanda uh, 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 dancing chain. So he worked for mm-hmm. them down here to L.A., and um, and then I, I, I went and joined the YMCA, and I, I got into judo there. And then there was a guy named Frank Lawrence who uh, who went to San Jose State and was a like wrestling team, and I did some grappling there, and I did the judo for about until I got a green belt. And then um, 
one day somebody said, hey, um, and that was in the, the middle 50s, almost, uh, you know, late uh, 50s, said there's a guy out there at Sacramento State College who is a Korean guy, and he's a black belt in, in karate, a mudokwan. And I mm-hmm. said, wow, I'm looking. In that time, it's hard to find anybody that that um, uh, that in karate or in the striking art. They mostly they were wrestlers or judo guys. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm. I went out and looked him up, and he said, "Yeah, I, I'd be glad to um, to teach you." He said, "Well, we're going to. Where can I come?" I said, "Come to my church. We have a social hall, and we can do that during the week." And so there were about four or five of my friends uh, would uh, train with him and. And he he trained us about three years. Finally, he said, "I'm gonna have to." Go. I gra- he said he's graduating. Have to go back to Korea, but he mm-hmm. he gave all black belt. He said, "Well, when I get back, I'll send you a certificate for a black belt first first don." And uh, wow! And so I black belt, and then and then then in fifty eight nineteen fifty eight, I was speaking at a church in San Francisco, and uh, at a black church in San Francisco, and. Uh, and afterwards, I said, today I'm going to find me a kung fu school. So after I, I got through with the service, I went to Chinatown to eat. And the and, uh, first time I saw, first thing I did, I saw an old man standing on the corner of Grand and Jackson Street. So I walked up to him and I said, um, uh, you know, excuse me. I said, could you tell me if there's any kung fu schools here? He said, oh, yeah, there's two. There's one down there by the park, one up there by the church, by this Baptist church up there. And mm-hmm. I said, which one is well, it's up to you. So the guy down at the park, uh, he's an older guy, and the guy over at the, by the church, uh, uh, he's a younger guy. So, um, so I went down to the park. I thought, well, maybe, um, maybe the guy in the, at the park is uh, is better since he's older. So mm-hmm. um, I went down there and looked around, and I said, uh, oh, there it is. And I walked downstairs. There's a basement. And the first thing I saw was this sandbag hanging there with all blood spot on it. <laughs> and so I, I, I said, anybody here? And then I heard some water running, and I walked over to a little bathroom there, a restroom there, and, and this old man was shaving. And I said, are you the seafood? And he said, yeah. He said, what do you want? I said, what? And then uh, and learning kung fu. He said, Why? You know, he was speaking broken English, half English and half Cantonese, and mm-hmm. I wasn't too good in Cantonese. And uh, mm-hmm. so finally he said, well, if you're interested, you come. When can you come? I said, Friday night, because I have to drive in from Sacramento. And um, and so I, I, that's what I did for about three years, because every Friday night, uh, Friday afternoon, we, uh, a friend of mine uh, in my church would, would come with me. We were trained uh, uh, on Friday, uh, Friday night, and then... Um, and then go eat in Chinatown and get home by 12.30, 1 o'clock. And mm-hmm. uh, did that for three years. So one day I said, I think I'm going to go up to uh, the other school and see what they got because I felt uh, that uh, I've learned about as much as I, I wanted to learn from there. So mm-hmm. um, so I went up to uh, the other school, and it was Seal Lum School. And, and when I walked in, there was not anybody there. Uh, there was uh, the instructor that uh, was um, sitting on stew smoking, and he was he was T.Y. T.Y. Wong. Then I saw a guy training in front of the mirror, and he had on um, he had weights in his hand and going through the motion doing the forms. And I thought that was kind of interesting because mm-hmm. I had started weight training, and and he turned and looked and he said hi. I said hi, and he walked over and said my name is Jimmy Lee, 
mm-hmm. are you interested in joining? He said, you should join. I said, yeah, I'm considering it to see how much different you guys are doing down there. Well, of course, you know, these young food schools say there's better than the other guy and all that. <laughs> and, and I said, yeah, let me. Well, I started taking lessons there, and I'd run into Jimmy every so often, you know. And then I told him I'd come in on Friday nights. And he said, okay, he said, I'll see you. And about, I think about six months into the the school, uh, they had a new book that came out, and Jimmy helped uh, write it. Uh, and um, then he had a big fight with the um, uh, instructor over uh, – Ten bucks. The instructor accused him of uh, holding back on ten dollars. So you can imagine that. And Bruce oh, wow. and Jimmy, Jimmy said, "Screw that!" He said, "I'm out of here." And he said, "Look, Leo said if you want to come with me, I'm getting out of here. You can. You're welcome. We'll train in my garage." I said, "Oh yeah, I'll go with you, Jimmy." Because I had developed a little bit of friendship with him there, and I wasn't as close to the instructors as I was to him. So I followed mm-hmm. him. So I trained with him about three months in this garage and uh, just doing forms, you know. And then one day he said to me, he says, hey, um, uh, uh, can you come to Wally J's um, luau? And Wally used to, uh, uh, you know, raise money for his island island uh, judo, jiu-jitsu and judo team uh, through a luau every year. Mm-hmm. He would have has to do a demonstration. He said, I said, why, why the, uh, what, what's going on there? He said, well, I want you to come to this one because there's a young guy. Uh, he's about 21 years old, 22 years old. He's going to demonstrate. I said, God, that's pretty young. What are you going to demonstrate? He said, well, you come and see. The guy is fantastic, and his name is Bruce Lee. <laughs> oh, so I, wow. <laughs> I, I showed up at the um, at the luau, and, and so they introduced the guy. Introduced the guy who's uh, demonstrating the martial artist of the of the day, demonstrate, and Bruce, Bruce, when it's um, Bruce wasn't uh, ripped, um, you know, uh, like it was smooth and skinny and smooth, and and he started doing a form, and then he asked a question. He said, "Now, how do you think you can fight with this?" And he went on and on and talked about uh, dry land swimming, how uh, forms mm-hmm. so complicated. It's like getting caught in a net and you can't get out of it. And then mm-hmm. he said, "Then he said uh, the key to proficiency in this thing is is simplicity." And he mm-hmm. said, "I mean." So he asked anybody, "You anybody want to volunteer? Come up and stop what I, I, I stop me stop my punch." And but he actually didn't do a punch. He said, "He, he, he said, I'm just going to tap you on your head. I want you to, to stop it, block it, whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. So he got some big football player got up there, and he said, bing, and, and, and he touched him so fast, the guy didn't even have time to react. Wow. I mean, he just twitched. By the time he twitched, the uh, the touch went, on and went forward and hit him on the head and went back. So he said, well, you want to try again? So maybe you're not ready. You ready? Guys nod his head, yeah. Boom, again. <laughs> and <laughs> so on lecture about the theory of, of fighting, how simplicity and uh, closing the gap and all that stuff, you know. And and um, then he did some, uh, you know, uh, at that time he was more into actually the, the Wing Chun thing. and But he, he made it faster than what usually some of these traditional guys do it. And mm-hmm. uh, 
just what he did was he's internalized it and made it a Bruce Lee thing, uh, like he always did. Mm-hmm. And Jimmy wow. said, uh, we, we're going to meet on Monday night at my house, and, and then, then Bruce got to go back to Seattle. I said, okay. So I, I, I drove all the way from, uh, uh, from uh, Sacramento to um, uh, to uh, Jimmy's house, and, 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 and there was about four or five people at Jimmy's living room, and Bruce was uh, there uh, talking, and then I think it was Bob Baker who was in the movie with him, uh, 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 I think Big Boss or, uh, or uh, Chinese Connection. And, and, and he said, um, he take this phone book, and it was an Oakland phone book. It's about two inches thick. So he told um, Bob put it on his chest, and, uh, and Bob was standing right in front of the, one of Jimmy's couch, and there's a window right behind that couch, so he put his hand on his, uh, uh, you know, open hand on his, on his, uh, on the phone book, and Bob was holding it, and and he he snapped his wrist and and threw his hip into it and knocked Bob into the, into the uh, couch, and Bob Bob turned over and went over the couch and almost broke the window. <laughs> mm. <laughs> so I said, oh, that's pretty good power there, you know, and I'm, I'm you know I'm a boxing guy and. And but but then years later I realized I said well it, it was good uh, for demonstration because uh, nobody uh, I wouldn't be stupid enough unless somebody get that close to me hit me that you know that close you know mm-hmm. but uh, uh, but uh, and then the next thing he did was he did some trapping explaining about uh, trapping and I thought that was very interesting how you put a guy on uh, in a no win situation you know you hit and he right. blocks and then man. And so that's the first time I saw that, and he did some of that, and then then he explained the the, the purpose of the saw thing, the the developing sensitivity and all that. And so we had a pretty good, um, you know, it was a nice uh, evening. I thought I learned quite a bit by watching him do that stuff and trying to figure out how to apply it to what I do uh, right then. Mm-hmm. And then he said he came down and uh, started a class there, and he finally he moved down there. And uh, at the time he was... I think Linda was pregnant with Brandon when they moved to uh, stay with Jimmy. And so mm-hmm. that that's uh, uh, part of my uh, martial arts journey. And I, I, you know, I trained in Taekwondo and I trained in Jiu-Jitsu and Judo and a little bit of wrestling, and, and, but mainly stayed with boxing. And, and I remember when he first came down uh, to be in Oakland to do his first class, I was there. And I noticed they all lined up uh, with their right hand forward in a Wing Chun stance. And I'm trying to adjust to that. And then finally I said, no, that feels so strange to me. I was mm-hmm. comfortable in in my left hand forward, left foot forward, and just a regular boxing stance. Mm-hmm. So he me and I said, hey, Bruce, I said, you know, I'm, uh, I tell you what, I said, I can't, uh, I have a problem doing this, this stance you got here. I said, I can do it, but it's going to take me a little practice, but then... I don't want to throw away what I already know. He said, what do you know? See, he didn't, he didn't know me that way. I knew. Mm-hmm. I said, well, I box, and here's what I do. So I stuck a, I threw a quick jab, right cross, and left hook. Mm-hmm. And I did it. And he looked at it. He had his hand over his lip, and he says, i tell you what. Do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I got in the line. He said, "Well, if you want to practice it with that, I got in line, and and there was no problem. You know, those guys practicing punching. I just moved aside and I tap them on the head, 
you know, mm-hmm. was uh, jabs. And, and I said, uh, I said, I don't think this thing works too well. So then I, I noticed what he does. He tells you what to do, and he, he takes off and disappears. So one day he did that. I went upstairs to see where he, where he was. Him and Jimmy sitting there talking. He said, hey, y'all, come on in. And I told him, he said, hey, and then we got talking, and I started sharing my experience with boxing and judo and stuff with him. And, and pretty soon I didn't, I didn't have to work out that group. It's just that I was exchanging ideas with him. And I did mm-hmm. that for 10 years. I, well, he, when he moved to L.A., uh, he would call me once a, uh, once a week, and, and we would talk over the phone always about uh, martial arts. And in 1967, uh, uh, in his birthday, uh, Linda called me and said, hey, they're going to celebrate his birthday at the, at the house, and if I would come down. I said, sure. So I, I came down to spend the night with him, and there was about uh, four or five people there. And mm-hmm. um he just talked martial arts all night long. And well, how birthday. cool is that? That's yeah, cool. It was no dinner or nothing, you know, just talk. And then, then I crashed out on his couch, and uh, and um, um, and then we went to uh, Chinatown to eat, um, you know, uh, the next day. Uh, uh, amazing, you know. Uh, and, and so what I learned from Bruce uh, in those conversations was was like um, the old saying goes: if if I if you give me a fish, you feed me for one day. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I teach you how to fish. I feed you for life, and that's what happened. Instead of just picking up a technique and trying to uh, perfect it, I learned where his mind was at by conversation, and and, mm-hmm. and I noticed. Uh, I'm uh, absorbed that stuff, and it's coming out now that there's a certain amount of Bruce. Uh, well, most of it, when it's coming out of me, is the Bruce Lee influence, but you don't see it in the external uh, demonstration because it looks like boxing. But he mm-hmm. gave me uh, depth, gave me depth in my boxing from uh, from the stuff that. Uh, see, uh, Bruce Lee was very, um, uh, he was very innovative, and one of the mm-hmm. things impressed. Uh, he's got good body mechanics and stuff like that, and everybody's trying to imp- imitate him. But they, what they got to understand is know why and where he's coming from. And he can take something and internalize it, and it's like what he saw. See, mm-hmm. a good was um, I was in his bedroom one time. He's getting dressed. He wanted me to go with him to uh, to join him at the International uh, Karate Championship uh, Ed Parker was putting on. Because he said he was going to go meet Steve McQueen and Elkie Summers, mm-hmm. and I said, "Hey, uh, Bruce, I can't do it because I, I I have to get back to San Francisco. I I have a date up there, and because I had just uh, got a divorce and and I met another lady and 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 I'm trying to uh, court her. So I mm-hmm. said, it would be too- <laughs> she going to meet me in San Francisco. We're going to go to the the, the the comedy club up there, and and." Uh, he said, well, okay, he said, and then so he had all his short, just a brief on. He's completely naked, he just have his brief on. He, and he said, let me show you something. So he chambered his leg, and he go, he flip it out in like a reverse hook kick. And mm-hmm. I heard something. Uh, he said, what do you think? You know, I said, I heard something like you got a gear on, go pop, pop. I don't know, maybe it's your joint or something. He just smiled. <laughs> he said, well, that's what what I want you to, to pick up. See how, how I, I, you know, you snap it, you add velocity, you take the guy's head off. And and mm. so I said, 
Then he said, I said, where do you, you, uh, where do you get that? Did you make it up? He said, no, no, I saw June Reed and Chuck Norris doing those reverse uh, spinning back kick and stuff. See, it didn't look like either one of those guys, but he got it from them, and by the time mm-hmm. he got through with it, it was Lee. And mm-hmm. that's what I'm telling, telling people who are trying to say that a chicken dose, they're trying to do exactly how Bruce Lee looked, imitating him mm-hmm. rather than, oh, wait a minute, uh, I see I like that kick. Let me see how I can adapt it to me. Mm-hmm. See? In other words, what you do is you, you, you create ownership to the technique rather than than try to uh, 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 imitate it. Mm-hmm. <coughs> now, how, how do anyway, you feel about... Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was just going to ask about how you felt about, um, you know, some of the practitioners out there that that are, I guess, for lack of a better term, the elitist Jeet Kune Do people that say, oh, that's not Jeet Kune Do. This, you know, that's not how it's done. Um, I, how do you feel about, you know, practitioners like that? Well, uh, I, uh, I don't have a, uh, you know, I, I, I disagree with them because, um, uh, I'm for one. I said, well, uh, I'll let them do what they want to do. Uh, it don't bother me because uh, you know I, I'm on my own journey here. Yes, but um, I've done some seminars at different places, claim the Egyptian do, and they are what I call they have style without substance. Mm. You cannot imitate, not imitate uh, how Bruce Lee, Bruce Lee's emotional uh, uh, dynamics. Mm-hmm. You can. His external, his uh, his uh, surface is like an actor who pretend to be a certain character, and and and, and at that moment, uh, you know, he does the dialogue, he does the, uh, the 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 little small stuff, but but he isn't he isn't that person for real. And so, I ask uh, you know people who look pretty good, look like Bruce Lee, and mm-hmm. and I said. Well, where you learn that? He said, well, watching the movies. See, you can watch the movies and keep doing this thing, but still there's there's something that's lacking, mm-hmm. which is emotional or emotional content. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, Sifu, can you tell us, because you had, I was reading, you had a pretty illustrious film career in front of and behind the camera, and I did want to mention you... You just taught a seminar for one of my Jeet Kune Do, one of my first Jeet Kune Do instructors, Mark Stewart in Chinatown, which I was sorry I couldn't couldn't <laughs> attend at least the dinner because I studied with Mark and I studied with with uh, Ted Lukai Lukai. But tell us about your film career in front of and behind the camera. Okay, um, see again, uh, we got uh, you know, my throat is uh, bothering me a little bit. <clears throat> Excuse me. Okay. Um, the last thing I thought about was being a star, being a movie star, not a star, but movie actor. But what happened was that's why I tribute. Uh, I, I I I appreciate. Uh, uh, remember when I remember Bruce Lee? I always remember in the spirit of Thanksgiving. He mm-hmm. called me one day. And he said, hey, Leo, I can get you on the cover of Black Belt Magazine. That was 1971. And so um, so I said, uh, Bruce, 
I said, why would I want to be on Black Belt Magazine on the cover? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It it was uh, at that point in time, I I care less about the publicity. I I didn't even know what it all meant. Mm -hmm. And uh, so anyway, uh, he says, well, you know, the reason I think you make an interesting uh, subject. I said, how's that? He said, well, you are ordained United Methodist minister, holy now a church, and you practiced in karate and gung fu. So that's kind of contradictory. I said, well, I don't know about that. I just enjoy doing it. And I said, the only thing I'm doing it is I don't want to uh, become a, a, a victim of bullying like I did when I was growing up. And that's my motivation. I'm never going to let it happen. And said, so I got to be an adult. Uh, it's, it's standing your ground. You know, you don't fight. You're not going to let anybody push you over, you see. Mm-hmm. But he said, I said, well, okay, well, you let me know what the deal is. He said, okay. So, because uh, he, he was uh, training uh, Mito Uhara, uh, the guy who published a magazine. And that was his uh, student. Mm-hmm. So he called and he said, Leo, he said, Mito said, yeah, we got the, uh, we got the interview set up, so... Uh, can you fly down? I said, yeah. He said, I'll pick you up at the airport. I said, okay. So I flew down. He picked me up at the airport in, uh, in that Porsche of his <laughs> and uh, <laughs> almost scared the hell out of me when he's going up uh, those canyons up there to his house. <laughs> but anyway, we went to Black Belt Magazine, and and so Mito started interviewing me, and uh, so I talked to him about, you know, uh, different things. and and But what Bruce wanted me to do was to show the flaw in traditional gung fu, mm, and mm-hmm. it, that's what I did. I talked about that, you know, uh, uh, it, 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 uh, forms. I can't relate to forms unless you you can take the technique and and, and, and uh, implement it in, in a fight. Uh, uh, but that would be a major overhaul. You know, it wouldn't look like the form. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not like boxing. Form. You just shot a box, and that's your form. And uh, so I talked about that in the article, and then after the article, um, uh, what happened was uh, Mito asked me, he said, would you consider writing a book on Su Lam Kung Fu? I said, mm-hmm. I never wrote it in my life. I said, I flunked English and composition in high school and college. I had to do makeup before I graduated. And I was always embarrassed about my grammar. He said, well, here, look at these three books. So they were all uh, Taekwondo books. He said, I made $300,000. Mm-hmm. Those three books. I said, wow, that's pretty good. And at that time, yeah. that was 1970. Yeah, that was pretty good. 771, something like that. And mm-hmm. um, uh, he said, I said, I look, I said, it's all pictures. He said, well, that's all uh, you need. He said, martial arts people don't read. <laughs> 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 so Bruce got a big kick out of it. like hell, you know. And, uh, uh, so I said, yeah, okay. So I started uh, taking pictures. I mean, not pictures, but I started thinking about the outline, and then I said, here's what I need, then. You're going to do the form, and it would break down. And so I came down to L.A. to um, to shoot the pictures, uh, 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 and, 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 uh, uh, and then we spent two days doing the pictures. And, and then, um, but before then, I told Bruce, I said, hey, Bruce, I don't know how to break this thing down, but I'd like to have the form and break it down each movement. Mm-hmm. He said, well, why don't you come down, uh, come to the house, and I'll help you. So I went to his house and spent the night over there. We went from 7 in, uh, in the evening until about 2 in the morning. He took every uh, movement of that form 
and broke it down. So when you mm-hmm. see the book Sulam Kung Fu, the breakdown is from Bruce Lee. Mm-hmm. And and then he, when I saw that, I said, he said, I don't know if that's uh, how they expected, but that's how I could make it work, you know, in in, in a fight. Mm-hmm. And so so I learned something that day. I, I learned that I can look at form and and and, and change it so you can make it work, because there's a lot of movements in there that impedes, uh, uh, you know, directness. Uh, mm-hmm. And so um, so after that. The book came out, and I think it must have sold a hundred thousand copies. But wow! But a long story short, uh, um, uh, Bruce Lee opened the door, and because of that cover in that magazine, some guy uh, re uh, recopied that. In the Philippines, they have a law; it's no copyright. They, you know, anything goes to the Philippines is open. Uh, it's open. Uh, <laughs> it's open territory. You you can mm-hmm. copy anything you want. So right. I went to and I went to the Philippines, and um, I saw a uh, Sulam Kung Fu book and Choi Fat books I wrote, and all the Ohar books and newsprints, and they were badly uh, done, but uh, but it was copies. I told me, mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, you know, here, here's some stuff that uh, they did you uh, send? Uh, did you uh, make a deal uh, to give them rights to do this? He said no. He said, "Find out how I can sue them." I said, "You can't sue them because they, they, don't, belong, they don't belong to the Congress or uh, the Copyright Congress, whatever you right. call it." Right. Yeah. And, and, um, so anyway, they saw my uh, uh, after Bruce died. I got a call from um, uh, from, um, of course, a friend of mine here who went to the Philippines and told them about me too. But they got the cover and told me uh, that they want me uh, to consider being doing a movie. So. Called me up mm-hmm. five in the morning, and I didn't know who in the heck it was, and didn't know him. And he said, "Well, I, I'm I'm a uh, my name is Mayor Kalala. Uh, I have uh, Ilokanja Productions in the Philippines, and I like to you know get you to do a two picture contract, and, and and maybe you can be another Bruce Lee." So I said, "Okay, uh, uh, I I'll fly to the Philippines to see what deal is, but uh, send me a plane ticket, and you know about a week or two later." Uh, Pan Am called me at that time, flying, and said uh, we have a ticket for you for the Philippines. So I flew there and and listened to uh, to them, and then I said, "Yeah, okay, let me give it a try." And and um, so I, I I took a chance because I had a I had taken a leave of absence from the church. I had a job as a um, I just graduated from Sac State University with an MSW with a master in social work. So I working at um, at, uh, as a uh, as a, at the welfare department, and so I they wouldn't let me off, so I just resigned. He said, "You either don't go or you quit." I said, "I quit." I didn't never walk, uh, never look back, and I'm glad I made that decision. So mm-hmm. I went to the Philippines and uh, and uh, spent about uh, six weeks uh, with uh, my friend Ron Marquini, uh, who was uh, mm-hmm. on the time, and and we did the movie um, uh, Manila Go, and later called. Uh, a murder in the Orient, and that was starting my uh, my movie uh, career. I knew nothing about acting. As uh, soon as we arrived in in uh, Manila, uh, they had uh, <clears throat> about a, a dozen girls wearing T-shirts, "Welcome to the Philippines," mm-hmm. uh, Leo, <clears throat> and they took us, put us in a uh, air-conditioned limousine, which was a luxury, uh, a Mercedes, uh, uh, you know, but it wasn't limousine, just uh, just a, a, a car, but it was mm-hmm. uh, air-conditioned. Us to the location, 
and, and as soon as I got there, I said, uh, uh, yeah, "Here's what you're supposed to do. You 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 walk in here and you 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 uh, you meet uh, uh, Ron, and you don't know who he is, and you guys end up in a big fight scene, and so we did the fight scene and stuff like that, and." I didn't even know what a camera looked like. An <laughs> 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 intro into movie making, and then you know I, I started learning. And after the movies uh, was done, I, I stayed in the Philippines for the rest of the year and and learned uh, movie making. You know, at the time I had uh, owned six uh, karate schools along with Ron. I sold my interest to him because I decided I want to stay in the Philippines, learn how to do mo- movies. So that was. Uh, and then the, the following year, I, I came back and I raised enough money to go back and shoot another movie. <clears throat> so one thing left another, and I was shooting a movie every year. Wow. Uh, wow. That's been nineteen. What, what is your most fondest, fondest memories about, about your movie career? Well, uh, is meeting, um, well, the fondest memory is, <laughs> is becoming a friend with Cameron Mitchell. Mm-hmm. And because Cameron was a result of Introduced me to my present wife, <laughs> so he. I had remarried, uh, and uh, and my wife died of cancer at 33 years old, and so so then um, so I said, well, um, uh, uh, I think I'm I'm 55 years old, 53 years old at the time, and I said I think I'm done. I would marry. I said. I, and I'm I'm, I'm kind of happy with where I'm at. I said I just want to focus on martial arts and in uh, my ministry and uh, I mean my and uh, in uh, um, writing and, and stuff like that in movies. And um, uh, and then all of a sudden he calls me one day after we had uh, 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 done a movie uh, uh, before and said, mm-hmm. Hey, you want to meet my nurse? I said, well, what do your nurse look like? He said, well, you know, she is just as good if not better looking than uh, Libby, which was my late wife. And I said, well, if that's the case, I'd like to see her. You know, and uh, mm-hmm. so a girlfriend called me up and arranged a meeting, and we went out for dinner. So that was, that was uh, the rest is history. <laughs> that was 1983. <laughs> and um, and that, that's my uh, most uh, memorable memory. Is uh, is uh, is is uh, is meeting uh, actors that were once uh, uh, stars. You know, like I worked with uh, Troy Donahue, and Troy was a big oh. star back in the you know summer place and all that stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. Richard Lynch, Invasion USA. He was a big bad guy in there. I worked with him, and I directed him. And um, and then there's Richard Roundtree. You know, Shaft. Oh yeah. Uh, I remember uh, having, uh, I had fun on, on set. I, I didn't, I wasn't uh, like, uh, you know, you under stress because you got to do this and I do that. So that's the advantage of being an independent producer, uh, independent uh, filmmaker. So mm-hmm. I remember 4 o'clock in the morning trying to finish up that scene with Richard Roundtree because he was on the clock because uh, we hired him for two days and we didn't want to pay him another day. So it's 4 o'clock in the mm-hmm. morning. Standing in front of this guy that I, I uh, not too long back, I was hoping I could be like him, uh, have a series like that. Because when he when Shaft was out, it was hot, and I said, "Wow, I'd, I'd like to be uh, equivalent uh, Asian uh, part of uh, Shaft." You know, mm-hmm. and here I'm, I'm the lead star in this movie, uh, Kill Point, 
and and he was just a supporting actor. So having um, a dialogue in front of him, he kept kept uh, uh, missing his uh, messing up his lines. <laughs> and finally, I said, uh, I said, uh, somebody says, I tell you what, why don't we go get him a bottle of Jack Daniels? And he was making a joke. I said, What do you say, Richard? He said, Yeah, yeah, go get me a bottle of Jack Daniels. <clears throat> so somebody ran out. <laughs> back with Bob Jack Daniel. He took a couple of sips and he said, okay, let's do it. <laughs> and and, and he, he did his lines. And we were able to rap and go home and go to bed, you know. <laughs> some of the interesting experiences uh, that I in, uh, encountered uh, with uh, guys that uh, they were, you know, pretty good. They were stars, you know, in those days. And here I'm nobody, really, uh, in the movie business, you know. And um, uh, uh, So I had a lot of fun and then um, I had a movie with uh, up in San Jose with Richard Norton and uh, and uh, um, uh, uh, I've forgotten that uh, name of the Japanese guy from uh, New York, uh, uh, Ochi, yeah, yeah, Ochi, Ochi, Ochi. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, but we, you know, had good fun. George Chung and and then did the one movie, uh, Fight to Win, with uh, Cynthia Rothrock and. Uh, and so it, it was, uh, for me, movie business was more um, uh, having fun and getting together and uh, within the context of uh, of doing something, you know, that was that was sellable. And then I ended up in going to film, uh, Cannes Film Festival and Milan Film Festival and then these take side trips and stuff like that. And so it was a fun play- time. I, I have good memories about that. And now uh, uh, the whole uh, landscape of movie making has changed. Um, we don't shoot anything on 35, which is good because 35 millimeter costs money. Mm-hmm. I need to get a little camcorder and shoot it for no money, and that's just what I'm doing right now. I'm shooting uh, one movie after another one uh, with this, and if it don't sell, I don't care because I didn't put more than $200 in the thing, you know. And when it sells, then I made a little profit because uh, if you sell it for $5,000 and you made it for $250, you're, you're in the profit. So it kind of is a fun thing for me. I, I don't, uh, uh, you know, try to play the the big uh, major studio movie uh, mogul or or movie uh, big star or something like that. It don't go to my head. To me, it's a, movie making is a is a activity. Just like if you go out and play a game of pickup basketball. Mm-hmm. Oh, very cool. Now, Cecil, we had uh, last week, and you may have heard of him. I don't know if you know him. But uh, we had Boaz Fenton on the show last last week uh, from the Walking yeah. Tall TV show. Yeah, Walking Tall. Yeah. yeah and Walking I, Tall. I asked him I'm, it's the same question I'm about to ask you. We uh, had are uh, you co- you are involved in two industries that are ego driven. Yeah. Being a, being a non egotist like yourself, because you're a very nice man. How did you deal with some some of the egos within the martial arts and within the film industry? I just smile. Says <laughs> 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 the guy's full of crap. I got I got students that I, I I you know I help people. When they say, oh, "Oh, I would love to be in a movie," I said, "Well, you really you serious? Yeah." I said, uh, "I don't pay anything, but I can I can put you in a movie, give you dialogue." And you can have a reel, and you can go give it to a casting guy, but you better learn how to act. And 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 I have uh, my own uh, student. Uh, I mean, you talk about wanting me in a movie, so I said, okay, let's shoot something, and I you star in it. 
And man, when I got through with it, I created a monster. <laughs> Over because these guys, they, uh, they 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 sit there and dream all this day, and then all of a sudden, they, suddenly you're in front of a camera, and you see yourself on the DVD, and you and then uh, suddenly they say, "Wait a minute, I'm a star now," and and they haven't even been distributed to film. Nobody picked mm-hmm. it up. Well, <laughs> I've, I've met people like that. <laughs> I can I can make movies from now to Kingdom Come. You won't mean anything until I got somebody distributed. Mm-hmm. You see, and and and, uh, and I I'm fortunate. You know, they I got trashed back in the in the eighties. You know, people say, "Oh, Leo Fong's movies all crap." Well, tell me how many of those guys, prominent uh, martial artists who does movies. Uh, B movies and C movies have gotten theatrical. See, mm-hmm. I got uh, most movie I did in the eighties got theatrical. Kill Point, Low Blow, Blind Rage, Tiger's Revenge. Tiger's Revenge was shot on thirty five thousand dollars. I traveled with it. The distributor wanted me to travel with it, and I I saw with my own eyes that every place we went, average uh, net income was between ten and twelve twelve thousand dollars. Wow. Yeah. So so uh, so that's how I can smile at these guys, and I, I can I can uh, look at the uh, you know their uh, their ego uh, as a joke because mm-hmm. I, I noticed about this thing is people who are real do not uh, 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 go around with a false ego. See, for instance, I tell these martial arts guys who well you know uh, and it wasn't too long ago. I got somebody on my Facebook said, "Well, maybe I ought to come down and touch hands with uh, with Leo Fong because uh, everybody thinks he's badass." Okay, I said, but no, I better not do that because you know it wouldn't be good to beat up on an old man. Oh my God! <laughs> and, what? My, really? Someone said that? Oh my God! Yeah, yeah. It was on Facebook. Well, oh, one, of my, uh, one of my students uh, 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 found the guy's uh, phone number. He lives in Sacramento. <clears throat> what happened to the guy, he had about three or four lessons from somebody in Wing Chun, and and he knew just enough to get his get killed. So I told mm-hmm. him, I said, tell him, come down, and he called it touching hands. But he don't realize, I don't touch hands, uh, I don't do uh, Chi-So. I, I dumped that a long time ago when I was working out with my friend, Mark, Marquini, Ron Marquini. Mm-hmm. I couldn't. I couldn't do no touching hand. I mean, no, no cheese all with him. I mean, you got to be alert, man. The guy's going to crash, smash mm-hmm. you with a sidekick, a reverse punch. So uh, anyway, I told uh, uh, told my student. He called him up. He got pissed off and called him called him up. And the guy only had about three uh, months of uh, training. And, oh wow! Uh, I, I said, well, he's got enough to get himself killed if he come down here. And I said, but uh, invite him down. And we go to the park where I usually work out, and then I want you to be there. I told uh, my student, I said, because uh, I, cause I hurt him. I don't want him going around telling him I attacked him. Right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> he, he, he down. See, so so I, I now I take that stuff for a joke because, you know, real boxers don't do that. You don't ever see a boxer uh, going around uh, saying, well, uh, I can do better than this guy, that guy, because they say, well, let's get in the ring. Mm-hmm. You see? 
Exactly. The only, the only time they trash each other is when they try to get the box office uh, uh, pro, uh, proceeds up. Mm-hmm. You, you'll, you'll get two guys like Manny Pacquiao and Mayweather, if they ever get together, they're going to start trashing each other. Right. Okay, but that's for commercial, commerce. Mm-hmm. But, but with um, martial arts people, they are um, uh, wasting their energy, and most of the guys that get into that that uh, binge don't have any skills. I know that because mm-hmm. I've done a lot of stuff. Like I did five seminars back-to-back in September. Uh, it just kind of burned me out. I was in Ohio. I was in Mexico. I was in uh, 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 Alabama, uh, up in Sacramento. And then you know, I was supposed to do a Mark Stewart thing, but nobody, uh, you know, about four or five people showed up, and Mark said, hey, let's just call it. I said, good, I agree. You know, it was too hot. You know, I thought it was going to be indoors, but it's out in the park out there. <laughs> it was about 95 degrees that day. Uh, but but that's that's uh, where it is. And then, you know, I'm not worried about these guys, but I, you know, uh, when I was in the Philippines making movies, I, I I took three challenges and I did okay with my boxing, you know. Because mm-hmm. the first thing I asked, I said, "Have you boxed before?" And they said, "No." I said, "Well, I got them now," because they don't have the the movement and and mm-hmm. and, and the. Free- Skills that a boxer has, you see, because uh, uh, um, most of these guys uh, are into gung fu that has the attitude. Because most of the time mm-hmm. they don't they they, uh, they don't practice uh, free fighting. They all uh, are doing formed and compliant uh, drills, and, and, and it doesn't work, you know. Uh, right. Wow, so I anyway, can't believe I, that someone. <laughs> I can't believe someone. Tried to call you out like that. Oh, you know, it might let me be beaten up an old man. What was this guy thinking? Who is this guy? You know, I accommodate him. I mean, even now, I, I said, hey, hey, I don't hold back. You know, I said, because yeah, I, I practice every day. I just practiced this morning for about two hours, you know, with uh, four mm-hmm. guys, you know. And, uh, wow. I, That's uh, amazing. I think. I mean, think about it, I'm not bragging, but I think I'm better today than I was before. I'm not, uh, before I'm more physical. You know, I mm-hmm. was strong. Uh, now I think I, I'm a little bit uh, wiser, and I, I, I tried not to get hit. And, and But when I close that gap, I, I want to make sure I, I, I do it at the right, uh, right time, you know. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and it helps for me to keep in perspective, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, you know that uh, uh, one of the ways to um, to fight uh, without fighting is to, that you talk your way out of it. You know, I had so many ways, uh, different uh, opportunities to get into a fight. Uh, even at my age, at Starbucks, guys, you know, <clears throat> they step in front of you and cut the line and all that. Mm-hmm. I just take the passive route. I step back. I said, well, sorry, you know, I, I was here before you, but then since you must be in a hurry, you, you'd be my guest. Mm-hmm. I feel, I don't feel like I'm chicken shit, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> right. When you feel, I don't know, feel, I don't know, Steve, but that's the one thing that didn't enter my mind is Leo Fong is chicken shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Never would have entered mine either. <laughs> but, but, but I, I said also too, I said, uh, I'm, I'm ready too. If uh, if he's going to be unbearable and he puts his hand on me, and I said, "Well, yeah, I got to take my chances in court," you know. Right. 
Well, it looks like we have a caller. Let's go ahead. Oh, uh, we take... we got to stop talking crap about him then. Uh, <laughs> let's go ahead and take this. This is a Skype caller, and I believe it's Sheehan Allen Woodman. Hey, uh, actually, no, no, it's not. It's not Skype. It's uh, me, Allen Woodman. Hey guys, how you guys doing? <laughs> Good, man, good. <laughs> Master Leo Fong, how you doing, brother? Hey, Alan, how you doing? <laughs> I'm good. We're, we're, we're actually down here, you know, uh, we're down here. We've been down here in Mexico for the last couple of days. We're in, we're in uh, Tijuana where uh, we were uh, at, uh, we were doing the um, Art Camacho Seminar down here at uh, James Santee's Kung Fu School. Oh, I see, I see. So, so, uh, so you guys going to have any trouble getting out of that place? No, no, no. We'll we'll be good. You know, uh, we're yeah. we're going to be leaving probably in a couple of hours. Where we'll be heading back uh, home to San Diego, which is you know not far, but we'll I be see, all right. I we'll see. be all right. Yeah, yeah. I'll be uh, be there in in February. Uh, be Guadalajara. Yeah, yeah I'm. At, yeah, James. James oh. I'll be going with you. It, it'll be you, me, and Doug uh, Doug uh, Wong, Douglas Wong, well, that's good. and that's we'll good, be man. I'll yeah. be heading to. Guadalajara, and we'll be doing a seminar together. Yay! Hey, that's great. I'm, yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, Doug's a good guy. You know, I always like Doug. Yeah. You know, you and Doug, you and Doug both are fantastic people, and I'm, I'm honestly, I'm just honored to, you know, that I'm, uh, you know, I get to hang around you too. You know. No, Don't worry, you guys. Are, you're the token white guy. That's, that's, that's basically <laughs> what I'm assuming. You know? uh, <laughs> Rich, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. You know, it's, hey, if the, I know my I know my role. It's okay. It's all good. <laughs> you, you carry the luggage. <laughs> but uh, you know, I wanted to call in and talk to us because uh, uh, you know Grandmaster Leo Fong had uh, uh, recently kind of asked. He's got a couple of projects coming up next year um, mm-hmm. for filmmaking, and uh, kind of offered me, uh, maybe a part in one of his films. And I think that's fantastic. Thank you, Leo. I haven't been able to, I haven't been able to actually talk to you personally and say thank you, but thank you. And I'm working on you know? the, uh, trip, you know, and, uh, yeah. and I think we'll have it. I don't know where he's going to go, but we'll just do it, you know, just shoot it and, and, and hope for the, yeah. Well, you know, I, I know the part is going to have to require me to wear a lot of makeup again, you know, and hide my beautiful yeah. face, which is, I'm used to that. I'm used to that, <laughs> so it's okay. You know, when you look this good, you know, people get a little shy about it, so they always put me in heavy makeup like vampires and demons and, you know, half-destroyed people. It's, it's okay, though. It's, okay. It's, it's all good. It's all good. Oh, my God. What do you look today, Alan? My straight man? <laughs> You don't open up doors like that for me. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I, I did, uh, of course, I, I really did want to call in and say that, uh, you know, I've, I've attended uh, seminars with uh, Grandmaster Leo Fong and, and known him for a little bit of time, and he's a, an amazing martial artist. So, uh, one of the actual true, and he, you know, we get a lot of that word that passes around. People go, a pioneer or a legend. Uh, the, he's really a pioneer and legend. Right. You know. Right. Yeah. So, you know, it's it, it's great to, to just to, it's, it's an honor just to know him and, and, you know, that I can, you know, you know call him a friend. I, I'm not allowed, he told me I'm not allowed to say that in public, but, you know. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, so does, so does Lee Zalwin. <laughs> but, uh. And and I know you guys. We're, so we're um, uh, I, actually we we tried to get uh, Grandmaster Fong down to our event, the Battle for Blood, 
Battle for Blood and the uh, Psychic Authors Awards uh, presentations. But I know he's going to be in Vegas that weekend uh, working yeah. on funding for his project. So, so but we'll, yeah. we'll we'll get him next time. But uh, with that event's coming up December 13th and 14th here in San Diego, and you know everybody's invited. We got T.J. Storm and Frank Dukes and and uh, oh Eric Lee and Ray Leal and Byron Mantek and and Paul Tang from Italy, Les Kirsnowski from Poland and uh New Jersey and Grant Miller from from Pittsburgh, Kathy Chapati from from Austin, Texas. I mean this is just drawing people from all over wow. the country and it's looking like yeah. a really great event and I know uh Bob Deal's going to be doing a show live on Sunday on that Sunday I Woo-hoo. guess with you guys, right? Mm-hmm. Correct. Can't wait for that. But good. I just wanted to call in. I just wanted to call in and say thank you guys and and uh Leo, I'll see you soon. Okay, you be good. Okay, okay, I'll Behave. take care. Okay. I, right. I can't make you do that, but I'm just a suggestion, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but thank you guys. I, I, I Again, I'm calling from Mexico, so I don't want to, you know, um, re- re- this is my friend's phone. Different. Yeah, it's my friend's phone. I don't really care what he has to pay, but I'm trying to be nice anyway. <laughs> Very cool, man. Oh, Y'all be good. Thanks, thanks for thanks for talking bad about me as always, and I'll talk to you guys soon. Tequila for me now. <laughs> Love you all. See you soon. Bye. Love okay, you. Bye. <laughs> all uh, right. People, so one thing, Alan, Alan and I were talking when when I, when he actually introduced me to you at uh, Bookfest. Yeah. And yeah. we're and you're you are you may not agree with me, but you are a true living martial legend. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, that's what absolutely is. one of the nicest guys on the planet, and one of, and the true martial legend. Now we're starting the first generation martial artists that brought the martial arts into the main into the limelight. We're starting mm-hmm. to lose them. They're, they're, yeah, yeah. They're starting to yeah. pass on, and it's yeah, like he, you want to grab some of that information. Give me give me right. your take on that. Well, uh, you know, like uh, for instance, uh, two friends of mine. One is Ed Parker, and the other one, Robert uh, um, Trios. Mm-hmm. And uh, they are pioneers. Hello? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They are pioneers, and uh, they're gone. And uh, what we have to do is just uh, uh, support some of these museums that uh, that try to uh, 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 keep all these memories intact, you know. Uh, like I support um, uh, the Martial Arts Museum in Burbank, you know, and um, yeah, that's about a mile from me. That's where I see you. I see you at Dragon Fest and and the museum yeah. all the time. Yeah. So Michael is trying to do his best, and then you got uh, 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 Gary Lee over in Texas. You know? Right. I know Gary. Sure. Yeah. So uh, he he's trying to preserve these uh, these things, you know, and. Uh, uh, my first uh, uh, encounter with uh, the first uh, uh, legend in generation was Ed Parker, he, and then then I met um, uh, uh, William Chow, uh, who taught Ed. Uh, I think Ed trained with him uh, at uh, some time, at some point, you know. But he 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 uh, uh, he trained uh, all these old timers too. That William Chow, he, that's going way back. You're right. That's going way back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, 
So I, I think the only thing to do is uh, is kind of document the, their history, their journey, and uh, uh, you know who's doing that real real good too is a, a, a guy named Bruce Judnick. He does a gathering every year up in Sacramento, and mm-hmm. he has a he has a, a not the Hall of uh, Fame, but uh, but uh, it's a memory thing. You know, uh, I, I forgot what he called it, but um, he's got everybody. Uh, that uh, it's anybody that's passed uh, in in uh, on the board there, uh, and I uh, and and, and uh, he suggested to me one day. He says maybe we should do a movie, a documentary. I said, well, what we should do is do a series of documentaries on the life of each one of those people you got there. He said that would be a lifetime project. <laughs> mm-hmm. There must there must be fifty people in that. That on that wall with pictures and and, and a short history of them. Um, you got that would be always, amazing. You got mm-hmm. Bobby Lowe. You know he was a student of uh-huh. Yama. And then I met uh, Biggie Kim. You know, in fact, Biggie Kim always was very nice to me. Uh, and Biggie Kim trained with Oyama. Uh, uh, and then I. I uh, so, so all these old timers, you know, uh, like in New York, you had guys like uh, Moses Powell and Ron mm-hmm. Duncan. Ron Brown, I think, but uh, Moses mm-hmm. Powell's gone. He uh, and and I think Ron Van Cleve trained with some of those guys. Mm-hmm. And uh, Peter Urban, I met back in nineteen. Um, I think I met him nineteen sixty. Yeah, and and then uh, uh, there's. Um, uh, uh, Merriman, Merriman, that was another guy who used to be good, mm-hmm. at that. and uh, uh, those are I consider kind of like second generation in that era. There's some people before them that I knew, <clears throat> yeah, but other than that, um, I'm not old enough to know Funigoshi. <laughs> <laughs> well, according to my kids, I am. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, that's why I said there's a being living as long as I have because uh, you can dispute a lot of these people, second, third generation guys tell me, well, Bruce Lee was this and Bruce Lee that. I said, I said you guys are making that up. <laughs> yeah, you were there. <laughs> you know what always killed me, Steve? When we've got one of them here in town in Burbank that jumped on the Bruce Lee bandwagon, Claims to teach JKD, uses Bruce's uh, image and his logo. Oh, yeah. He never studied a day of JKD in his life. Yeah, no, no, that's right. And they, they, and they argue with you. I said, right. you know, yeah, I said, why argue with me? I said, I was there. <laughs> I know yeah. Bruce. I said, he's no God. I, I, you know, I said, uh, he's a good friend. He's done me a lot of favors. Now I'm who I am today in the martial arts because of Bruce, really. He opened a lot of doors for me by just little small favors, you know. Yeah, he was a generous guy. You know, you get what to know and get past his, uh, you know, uh, his exterior. Uh, I know people used to. Uh, I was over at uh, Robert Garcia Boxing Gym, and Brandon Rio said to me, he said, "Hey, did Bruce Lee have a lot of friends?" I said, "No, uh, when he was alive, he didn't." I said, "But when he died, he got a lot of friends." And they all he all laughed. The whole gym got got a kick out of that because really, really, when I was uh, hanging out with him before he got to be a big star, uh, people said, "How can you stand him? The guy brags and he, he's obnoxious." 
I said, no, I think I get a kick out of him. He's funny. I said, the only thing I know is I've been in a lot of street fights in Arkansas, and, and, and you put your mouth where your word is, you know. I'm, mm-hmm, I'll put your, exactly. Put your action where your, where your talk is, you know. And, and I said, he can do that. I said, uh, so you don't want to go challenging him and say he's full of crap, you know. <laughs> oh, I know, but wasn't, wasn't it funny once Bruce Lee died that all these people came forward and said they could kick his ass? Yeah, yeah. Got, you got that group too, and then you got uh, <laughs> got other group who claim. Well, I trained with him. I, I, he's, he was my friend. I mean, I could name his close friend on ten fingers. That was it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it's amazing how you know now that after he's gone, you know that people can jump on the bandwagon and and say that they do it. You know, because no one can really say that they're not, and and it's it just maybe it's just me being old fashioned, but I, I find that to be you know kind of disrespectful to yeah. you know the man, um, and uh, and it, it kind of makes them look clueless as to what you know what Jeet Kune Do was to Bruce. So you know, sometimes I wonder if Bruce is turning over in his grave, and I'm pretty sure I could hear it because I live here in Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> the first thing he told me before, that's why when people open up all these these uh, Jeet Kune Do schools, uh, it's not with the blessing of Bruce Lee if he was around, because he uh, said to me, he said, he said, man, I I don't want to spread uh, Jeet Kune Do because they're going to screw it up, and mm-hmm. I don't want to be prostituted, you know. Right. And and uh, and. and uh, and he told me, you know, he says, um, put his fingers on my chest one day when he asked me, uh, uh, how come you go train in so many different places? And I said, well, I'm trying to find the ultimate, Bruce. And then he, he puts his finger on my chest and he said, there ain't no ultimate. He said, the ultimate's inside there. He said, mm. take, take that boxing skills you got and expand on it. Uh, work on the kicks, work on the trapping and the grappling said, you got it. He said, uh, don't go trying to imitate somebody, you know. And and he felt strongly about that. And and people, uh, when you try and imitate Bruce Lee and say, I'm, 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 I'm going to be like him, you're not complimenting him. From what I know about him, he gets a big kick out of you taking some ideas from him and turning it into something personal that you do and you, you he see growth in you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 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 that's where he was. That's why he he didn't want to open up a chain of schools, because he was offered to open a chain of Green Hornet uh, uh, Go Fu Studios. Mm-hmm. He shut down the idea because he said, "Hey, I can just see it getting watered down, and be like McDonald's, you know." Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, Stephen, we've only got a couple minutes left, and it was funny. Rosita texted me a little earlier ago, and and says. We gotta get him out for a couple beers and have him just tell us stories. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. you know, there's a few people that I just sit and listen to. There's you and there's there's Carl Totten that you yeah, hang Carl, out. Yeah, with. He's, Carl's a good guy. Yeah. Oh yeah, and you just your ears just open when guys like you and him talk. Mm-hmm. You know, because you're so full of knowledge and you were like like we were just talking about. You were there. You knew Bruce. You knew his reaction. Yeah. You you knew what he was about, which is so cool to us. 
Uh, yeah. And the more you then the more you drink, the smarter we start sounding. <laughs> I can <laughs> I can just I mean every time I told my Bruce I just picture me sitting on that couch up in Jimmy's house and and Bruce would would talk and then get up and he would demonstrate and then then uh, I mean it, it so cleared my mind every uh, every time I'm with Bruce is uh, you know when I think about Bruce it would come back of different incidents. That's why when I did that thing for uh, Rising Sun, you know, Bruce Lee, my friend, and and I, I talked about the stuff we're talking about now, and mm-hmm. and uh, nothing else in my memory is so clear than the, the Bruce Lee experience. Uh, wow. I might have forgotten a lot of stuff uh, in the past, but that I remember almost everything in detail. Um, okay, awesome. one more question before we we get out. Uh, mm-hmm. Did you ever think, knowing knowing Bruce at the time, that you and him and just a few others would have such an impact on the on the martial world? Never thought about it. Even Bruce did. Uh, we never thought. We just thought we were a couple of guys, a bunch of guys, uh, love martial arts, trying to explore what it's all about. That's it. See, uh, I had uh, he had a background in Wing Chun uh, Kung Fu. My background was boxing, and that was our frame of reference. And Jimmy was into uh, 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 weight training and and, and uh, Steel Lum Kung Fu and stuff like that. And um, uh, everybody came from a different uh, persuasion. Like you get a bunch of uh, religion, uh, religious people together, and some are Baptist, some are Catholic, some are you know Methodist, mm-hmm. and they all come together and they're talking about. Uh, Jesus, you know, uh, and 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 uh, how what, what he would be like, and then here you got the disciples mm-hmm. who uh, who uh, recorded uh, stuff that they actually were with him, uh, and and so it's it's basically coming like that. Not that Bruce is Jesus Christ, but but Bruce is a phenomenal person, and uh, mm-hmm. and I mean at a guy at 22 years old, the, he was brilliant. I mean the guy. Uh, I'll tell you a good truth. What I learned from him is this. I taught some people this morning, and I said, "What? Uh, uh, I don't call it jikendo. I call it wikendo. Wikendo means um, uh, way of the integrated fist. Everything is not imitation, but integration. Not accumulation, mm-hmm. but integration. Okay? Uh, uh, so I, I told people, I said, you know where I got all this from? I got the footwork and uh, from... Uh, Serata Screamer from Angel Cabalas, who I trained with, but also I watch basketball and watch how they move and how they fake. Uh, if you watch um, uh, Chris Paul dribble down the court, he's very relaxed. Uh, he, he, he's doing very slow motion, and then all of a sudden, bingo, he, he, he fakes to the left, fakes to the right, then he shoots. Okay, Kobe Bryant is that. So, so I learned that from uh, Bruce, how to cross knowledge and cross uh, uh, a train. Because uh, I remember one day he called me up. And he said, "Leo, he was like a little kid just discovered a, a, a candy store." He said, "Guess what? Uh, you got to listen to this. I was watching Bob Hayes uh, and attract me, uh, you know, on TV, I guess. And I noticed something when they said, on your mark, get set.' He raises heel, and then uh, then the gun goes off, and he takes off. So he said, "I'm wow. lifting my heel." He said, because everybody's doing flat-footed because they're doing horse stance. I lift my heels, and I can propel my body and close the gap so quick. He was explaining to me. I said, that's amazing, wow. Bruce. Uh, 
Wow. Oh, my God. Sifu Rusty, do you realize that he's the only one in the world that knows that story? I just yeah. chill. <laughs> yeah, isn't that cool? You know, that I was wish so we, cool. That was cool. I wish we had more time, Sifu Fong, but we've got we've only got thirty seconds on our live broadcast. And I'm serious, one of these days if me and Sifu Bob can get you for a beer, I'd love to meet you up for it. <laughs> okay, for well that. you're in town here, you know call me and we'll come together. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. That would be great. Guy I'm free in the afternoons. I do my yeah, senior classes in the morning, but uh, in the afternoon, I'm free, you know. Yeah. That would be awesome. Well, we are out of time. Thank you so much for joining us, Thank Sifu you, Fong. Sifu. And for our listeners out there, thank you for listening. And uh, that was Sifu Fong. And uh, we hope to talk to you again soon. Have everyone. Okay. Uh, thank Enjoy you, it. sir. Thank you, Sifu. Thank you, okay, and thank have you. a great rest of the weekend. Bye-bye, everybody. All right. Thank you. Bye.